0: The reading today is from Matthew chapter 23, reading verses 1 to 39. Then Jesus said to the crowd and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to get the light right. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, and so you must be careful to do what they tell you, but do not do what they do. They do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy encumbrance loads and put them onto other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and and the borders of their garments long. They love the place of honour at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplace and to be called rabbi by men but you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. And do not let call anyone father, for you have one father and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your will be your servant, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who are humbled will be exalted. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter and will not let those enter who are trying to do so. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are yourselves. Woe to you, blind teachers! You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing, but anyone who swears by the gold on the temple is bound by that oath. You blind fools, which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing, but anyone who swears by the gift on the altar is bound by that oath you blind men, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore, anyone who swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And anyone who swears by the temple swears by it and by the one who dwells in it. And anyone who swears by heaven swears by God's throne, and by the one who sits on it. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have you should have preached, you should have preached the latter without neglecting the former. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, and inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees. First clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are the whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, On the outside, you appear to be people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. (coughs) Woe to you, teachers of the law, you hypocrites. You build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we had been in the days of our ancestors, We would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets, so you testify against yourselves that you are the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Go ahead then and complete what your ancestors have done. You snakes, you brood of vipers. Therefore, I am sending you prophets and sages and teachers Some of them you will kill and crucify. Others you will flog in your synagogues and pursue them from town to town. So upon you will come all the righteous blood that has been shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Truly I tell you, All this will come on this generation. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks and her wings, and you were not willing. Look, your house has been left desolate, I tell you. You will not see me again until that day when you say, Blessed is the Lord Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Looking for people to go on the Bible reading list and the church. That was the longest Bible reading I think I've ever set for this church in the time I've been pastor. So thank you very much for the wonderful reading, Lester, your expression understanding of the text came through thank you very much saves me having to labor over it having it uh, so beautifully read thank you again heavenly father as we now open the book we open ourselves we open our minds to understand we open our hearts to receive we open our hands to do we open our spirits to be enlivened speak to us lord here we are listening amen Well, I'm not sure if you've read that passage. Most of us like to read things like um, the Sermon on the Mount, things like that. But here we are, it is the same Jesus who spoke the Sermon on the Mount, who for an entire chapter in the last week of his life took a verbal stick to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and gave them the greatest verbal flogging in any part of the New Testament. Chapter 23 of Matthew. You see, Jesus hates hypocrisy. Hypocrisy has been determined to be a person who puts on a false appearance of virtue or religion, a person who acts in contradiction to his or her stated belief or feelings, uh, according to Webster's Dictionary. And so, if you have seen the front page of the news about for this week, it talks about the origin of the word hypocrites. And now, hypocrites comes from uh, the old Greek word for a stage player, someone who literally wears a mask and plays the role of somebody else, but literally interprets that character from underneath a mask. So what the people do when they see the stage play is they actually see the character of the actor and not the actor themselves. There's another person underneath the character playing or interpreting from within or from underneath that particular character. And so the word we see evolves there and you can read a little bit about that on the front page of the news of the uh, news about so there we have hypocrisy is wearing a mask, it's playing a role. Uh, hypocrisy is when you, want to, you show people what you want them to see rather than the real you, rather than the real you. So we portray an image that's designed to give a certain impression or a certain reaction. It's where one's public self and where one's personal self don't align. Of course, the question that I put in the front of the church paper uh, that I want us to think about as, as the week goes on is, is the church full of hypocrites? So are you looking at one right now? <laughs> you weren't meant to say anything then. Thank you, Liz. This is just you know, this is a rhetorical question. Am I looking at a church full of hypocrites? What's a hypocrite? Are we hypocrites? Or is it complicated? Is the answer yes, no, or is it just complicated? Is our personal self and our public self one and the same? Are we playing a role? Are we masking something? I only want to make really two points today. Is that number one is that Jesus hates hypocrisy. And the second thing is that I want to look at two ways we can guard against hypocrisy in our own lives. So we know in this, look at the word, it's just this repetitive rhythm, isn't it? You hypocrites, you, again, virtually every paragraph starts off with, again, the phrase hypocrite. You hypocrites, you hypocrites, you blind fools, you hypocrites. There is this rhythm and this meter to this passage. It's just like one delivery after another delivery after another delivery where Jesus is taking apart the religious leaders of the established Jewish religion of his day. Now, it's interesting that he chooses to do this in the last week of his life. Uh, scholars believe this came about on the Tuesday, the Tuesday before Good Friday. And in the Tuesday before Good Friday, the scholars have come up with the marvellous phrase of how to describe that day. It's called Busy Tuesday. These are the great commentators and the Greek scholars and those luminaries of mind far beyond mine, They have come up with, it's Busy Tuesday. So on Busy Tuesday, apparently, um, Jesus gave the lesson of the withered fig tree. There was a challenge to Jesus' authority. We've already covered that. There were parables of warning. There was a debate with the religious leaders. There was the calling out of the scribes and Pharisees as hypocrites, which we've seen today. And there was teaching on the last things. All happened on Busy Tuesday. And so we enter this realm of hypocrisy. I look at verse 13. We're only going to pick a few verses out because I think we've got very much the drift. I don't need to labour the text over and over. We don't need to go into the minutiae of every particular verse here. But look at verse 13. It really is a summary text. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You shut the door of the kingdom of... Heaven in people's faces, you do not enter in. You do not let those who enter in also. Woe to you, teachers of the law, you Pharisees and hypocrites. Well, what are the marks of a hypocrite? What are the marks of a hypocrite? We're going to spend just a few moments looking at the marks of a hypocrite and the manifestations. Look at verse 3. What are the marks of a hypocrite? This is a great summary. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. Now, why would Jesus say that? Why, having made these the target of a public rebuke, uh, and an assault on this particular group of people, you must, you must do what, everything that they tell you to do because they sat in the seat of Moses. They sat as the teachers of Israel. But it came with a rider. But do not do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. That is what a hypocrite is. It is someone who doesn't practice what they preach. Be careful to do everything that they tell you to do because they are the teachers in Moses' seat. But do not do what they do for they do not practice what they preach. It's the practicing of what we preach. Verse 5 tells us that they do everything to be seen. Verse 23 tells us that they neglect the matters of the law. They're all about um, making mountains out of molehills. They're all about, they'd rather tithe their mint and their dill and their cumin. But of course, they neglect the more, matters, the weight, more weighty matters of the law, the justice, the mercy and the faithfulness. These are the bigger issues. It's interesting with the, a person that is a hypocrite, they tend to want to major on the minors and minor on the majors. They're all about the little things. They want to make mountains out of molehills. They want to take umbrage at everything. They want to make a major case out of a minor problem. And so they love to argue about these things. But you'll note with so many people like this, they forget the big picture. Jesus said they're the kind of people, they strain out the gnat, but they swallow the camel. They strain out the gnat and they swallow the camel. They, They neglect the real things that matter with God. God doesn't care if you're tithing your spices, but matters of justice and mercy and faithfulness matters most to God. Here's a verse that we don't often reflect about, but I want to just ask the question, what do you think it means? It's from 1 Peter 4, 8, and it says this, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. What What might that mean? Well, I think it, it matters that we fall short in so many ways. There's a whole lot of little sins. There's a multitude of sins in my life and a multitude in sins in your life. But when God looks down, the main thing that God is looking for from us as His people is he he wants us to be a people of love. And if we are truly loving, if we are living our life and coming from a position of deep and profound love for our fellow human being, for our spouse, for our friend, for our family... And we're coming and we keep coming and we keep on trying to express love. And yes, we blow it here and we blow it there and we miss it there and we drop the ball over here and we do that. But we just keep on. We want a life motivated by the love of God and expressed to the love of other people. If we're driven and led by love, that is what God wants most. Yes, we will fall short on many, many things. But love covers a multitude of sins because God is love. And the things that God wants most from us is to love God and love others they're the two things they're the things that we need to be marked by as a church not by being argumentative over the smallest tiniest fractions of things not by picking on each other and all the multitude of faults that we all have but let us be marked by love let us by a church that is driven that is filled with the love of God and an overflowing of that of a love towards other other people because love covers a multitude of sins Verse 28 on the mark of a a hypocrite is that outside they appear righteous, but inside they're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. And verse 33 to 37, they claim righteousness, but in fact they persecute the righteous in their conduct and ultimately they crucify the Christ. Ultimately they crucify the Christ. So these are the kind of marks of a hypocrite. What are the manifestations of a hypocrite? Well, they love man-made regulations and legalism. Very interesting, when somebody wants to have a legalistic argument with you and take you to task over certain things that they think are important, they speak in a rhythm like this that makes you just terrified to even speak to them. <laughs> they just want to have it on with you. right? You know who ever had that, one of those ones you think, I think I'm being argued against, I think I'm not listening because this person seems to be whacking me in the head all the time. I don't feel loved. I've got a headache now. <laughs> they love man-made regulations. God couldn't care less about man-made regulations. The only regulations that God cares about are any book. All the things the church gets itself all tied up over, the man-made regulations that we have, all the things that we do that are just merely traditions. Let's not confuse mere tradition with the principles of Christianity. And what it means to be a Christian. We just do so many religious things, even in this church. This church is full of religious practices. Not necessarily Christians, just kind of the way we do things around here. Not necessarily mandated. Man made regulations, watch out for legalism. They love their religious apparel. Well, I've seen a fair bit of pomp and ceremony around the place, I'm sure various people with their religious garb. I used to of course wear robes. Never felt really comfortable in them, kind of more felt like a penguin really. Oh well, I never liked it. I'm sure others did. Love public recognition, they love their VIP seating pass. I was part of a leadership network and they sent me a VIP seating pass for a particular conference and I thought I couldn't be made more sick if you tried because we're, I'm going to be sitting around there and I'm going to be sitting there if I take them up on this little pass to go to their conference and sit in the VIP section I'm going to look around and all the other people in the section we're all going to be VIPs aren't we we're all going to be sitting around we're like really important VIPs and we're all together in this VIP section I just wanted to puke Because it's the last one I'm not wired up that way. I'm totally not wired up that way. And part of the reason why I didn't want to go, I didn't want to go and sit in some dumb VIP thing where people thought they were more important than everybody else. No one is more important than any other human being on earth. Have we got it? We're all equal under God. We're all equal in sinners. We're all equal in God's grace. We're all equal in God's children. We're all equal in going to heaven. We're all equal in being adopted by God. We are equal in Christ. Positions of leadership just make you even more responsible to serve like Jesus served, as Colin so beautifully put it at the communion table. Watch out for people who thrive on public recognition, VIP seating, people who love to play the man or play the woman, people who are pretentious. Shut out the kingdom of God to others because it's not on their agenda. They don't want it to be on others. They make converts twice as bad as themselves. They look for loopholes to get out of their obligations. They strain out the gnat and swallow the camel. They're obsessed with their public image. They claim they're righteous, more righteous than the previous generations. So is the church full of hypocrites. Here's a quote that I want to put up right now. And it talks about what is the greatest attraction to the faith today? What is the greatest attraction? What's the... The biggest thing the church can do to attract people today. So, from Mark McCrindle's, an Australian researcher, a Christian guy, actually. So, McCrindle's research is right on the cutting edge, and he talks about what is the. We know what turns people off, we know what, but what turns people on? The greatest attraction, the greatest attraction his research shows to investigating spirituality and religion is observing people who live out a genuine faith 61% of people are attracted by this the greatest attraction to investigating spirituality and religion is observing observing a people who live out a genuine faith people are attracted by that do we want people that be attracted by to christ Do we want to live attractive lives? Do we want people to come to Christ? Do we want people to be drawn to Jesus? The greatest single thing that draws people to Jesus is Christian people who genuinely live out their faith, who walk their talk, whose public persona is the same as their personal character. The greatest attraction to Christianity is that second is experience of personal trauma because then we are caused to go deep within and to discover these things that is a very important thing I think the answer that the world is looking for if the church is full of hypocrites the answer is this God speaks loudest through lives well lived God speaks loudest Through lives well lived. Here's two ways to guard against hypocrisy. I'm going to finish with these. We need the help of others. We've got to be in a community of people that shows love and grace and that we are a safe place. Are we a safe place? Are we a place where people can be real, who can drop their guard, who can share their faults, who can share their struggles? Are we a graceful community? where people can just about tell us, well, can tell us anything and we all still journey with them and struggle with them and walk with them. I think God is looking for a community of faith where we have transparency and openness with each other, where there's an authenticity and genuine, what it means to be genuinely human with each other. There's a humility that no one is above anyone in this place. There's an accountability where we ask how we're going and when people are going forward in their life, we want to encourage them and cheer them on and ask them, are they attaining the things that they're working on in their life and a community that shows unconditional love? Is this person safe? Recently, I've had some conversations with some people over some delicate matters and I've been asked by the same person on three occasions, can you guarantee me that you are safe? Can you guarantee me that you are safe? I need you to be safe. Is that you? Are you safe? Can someone just drop the biggest bombshell in your lap and are you safe? Not to judge, not to withdraw. Not to condemn, but to love. Are we a church where people can confess their sins to each other and pray for each other and love each other and accept one another? I think having a community like that will be a great guard against hypocrisy. The second thing that we can do to guard against hypocrisy, we need the help of others and we also need the help of God. This is what the Psalm says, Psalm 139, 23 to 24 Search me, O God, and know my heart, and try me, and know my anxieties. This is getting below the mask. This is taking off the mask before God. This is grabbing the mask that we are living our life This is tearing this mask off and laying it down before God and saying, Here I am. This is the true me. I give you permission, God, to look at the true me, to love the true me, to search me, to genuinely search me, know my heart. Not my public presence, not what people think of me, not what the people of the church think of me, not what my life group thinks of me, not what the pastor thinks of me. You know me, you search, please search my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, know my frailty, know my fracturedness as a human being. Know me, God, here I am. I am an open book, Lord. I tear off all the masks. I'm totally bare and naked before you. Look at me, know me, search me. Search me, Lord, know me. See if there's some sort of if there's a wicked way in me. I want it, I want, I want you to tell me those things that are in my life that are destroying my life, that make me fall below your standards, and lead me in the way everlasting. And so I want to be open to you, God. I want to be completely transparent. I want you to search me by your Holy Spirit and convict me by your holy word. And then I want you to lead me, lead me into an everlasting way, lead me on into a way, into a life that's full and rich and true and where my my true self starts to live out a powerful, attractive life to Jesus. Is the church full of hypocrites? Probably a few of us hanging around. The solution to our hypocrisy is to be a beautiful, transparent, loving and accepting community that holds each other accountable. And the second thing is to be people who come before God, rip our masks off and seek him. And then go out and live lives that are just going to be the attractive thing. The best witness we can be is to live a powerful and persuasive life for Jesus. As the band comes up, they're going to sing a song. With it. I, have, I rarely do this, but I've actually selected the last song, Preacher's Prerogative, I think they call it, from the inside out. This talks about the transformation that happens in God is not by putting on masks. It starts in the heart and it works its way out into its life. So I've chosen this song. It's got a lot of meaning to it. Let's stand, let us sing from the inside out.